I'm Jason Sachs. Welcome to Classic Comics Cavalcade. This week, I have a real treat for you. Um, so several years ago, before he passed away, obviously, uh, my friend Alex Roderick and I had the chance to interview Jerry Robinson, the legendary creator of The Joker and one of the earliest creators of Batman stories ever. Uh, Robinson was incredible. He, he joined me to promote a book he wrote called Jerry Robinson, the Ambassador of the Comics, which is a remarkable collection of comic art and ephemera from his long and illustrious career. And what amazed me was this man who is well above 80 years old um, had just an incredible energy and an incredible memory for the stories that he had to tell about the creation of his characters, how he got involved in Batman, how the Joker was born, and what life was like early on in comics. I think this is one of the coolest interviews that I have in the archive, and I think it's one that you will really enjoy. Please tell your friends if you did enjoy it, because I think this is the kind of cool thing that's um, just a great part of comics history that I would love to have more people be aware of. So um, leave feedback on iTunes, tweet about it, tell me on Facebook what you think. Please, please share it and let me know. Thanks. Bye. Um, so I think it was, it's fascinating how you just kind of ended up in this industry by happenstance and it's turned into your kind of whole life. Uh, that's fine. I've often wondered what would happen if I didn't wear that tennis jacket that day <laughs> to play tennis. Uh, I might have been interviewing you. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Could you share the story with um, with the readers of my site? resort for 
one I didn't know of. I just picked one in, in the mountains. And uh, I was on the tennis team. That's been my lifelong passion sports, as were my brothers before me. They were all city champs and so forth. So uh, the first day out, uh, not mindful of the fact I was there to fatten up, I went, raced out to play tennis. And uh, am I coming through all right? Yes, you're coming through great, uh-huh. yes. Okay. Um, to the tennis court to find a partner. So I was standing there at the court, and I was wearing a jacket that was, they were regular painter's jackets. They were white linen and a lot of pockets all over for painter's supplies. And that was the fad in college at the time. And I grew up next to Princeton University and uh, only 10 miles away from Trenton. And so I, uh, we, uh, high school copied the fans of the, the college kids, and that's what they were doing. And the jackets were decorated with their own uh, so-called graffiti at the, of the time. And uh, I was already a cartoonist for the school paper, although I never thought of cartooning as a career. I was an editor of the paper and wrote stories for it, but I also did the cartoons. I had never taken any art courses, although I would have love to because they just didn't give any credit in those days for art classes and I needed the credit for college. So uh, in any event, the the jacket was decorated with all sorts of cartoons. And while I was standing there looking for, at the tennis court looking for a partner, uh, I feel a tap on my shoulder and somebody said, uh, who did those cartoons? And uh, without even looking around, I thought I was going to be arrested or something. And I sort of meekly, I did. Yeah. So the voice said, well, they're pretty good. And uh, he introduced himself. It was Bob Kane who just did the first story was published in Batman. And he introduced himself and, and uh, got to be friends. He, he was quite a bit older, but still young enough to know around with. He was, I guess, at that time, 24. And I was 17, so... Uh, and uh, so he immediately showed me a copy of Batman, which I'd never heard of, because it was the first issue. But I had never even seen a comic book before. And I must say I wasn't terribly impressed with it uh, in any way. Yes, I was used to, I loved the Sunday comics. I loved uh, the major strip friends, Valiant and Terry and the Pirates, and even the comics uh, bringing up Father and Mutt and Jeff, and all the classic comics. And... Uh, but when, once he said that, uh, well, he just started the strip and he needs somebody else on the staff. It was just he, himself and the writer, Bill Finger, who was really the co-creator of Batman, uh, and wrote all the stories and created the characters and, and really most of the whole mythos of, of Batman, Gotham City, and uh, the pre-story of Batman and so forth. So anyway, uh, once he said he did that and he needed assistance, uh, uh, that I make some money, uh, my ears perked up. And he said, when we found out that I was going to go to, to Syracuse, he said, oh, it's too bad that you're only coming to New York, I can give you this job uh, on Batman. Well, just fortuitously, I had, so I had applied to... Syracuse, Columbia, and Penn, and as my faculty mentor said, they were the best for journalism. That was my goal, to be a journalist and writer. Okay. And uh, 
So fortuitous that I had, had been accepted in those three places and chose Syracuse for no good reason except to sound more like a college town. I had never <laughs> visited either one of them. I'd never been to New York, Syracuse, uh, though I had been in Philadelphia many times in high school. That was a favorite date place because I was only 30 miles away. <clears throat> so, in any event, I, um, I said, well, I raced to the phone, that's right, and called Columbia to see if my application was still good. <clears throat> Luckily, it was. So I called Syracuse, told them I'm not coming, and uh, called my home and said I got a job in, in uh, New York, and I and went immediately from the mountains to New York to start on Batman and, and beginning the first semester at Columbia. So that's how it started, it, uh, it's all because you happen to be wearing the right uh, jacket at the right time. At the right time in the right place. <laughs> the other, the other uh, kind of fun thing that happened when I decided to go right from the mountains to New York, not having been in New York before, and up in the mountains where you only could get to by various bus and uh, and uh, changes of bus and whatnot. So I asked the manager how the best way to go. And it sounds very complicated. He said, you know, um, Jan Pierce, I'll give you this name, you may not know it now, but at that time, Jan Pierce was one of the leading tenors of the Metropolitan Opera. And he had given a concert at this resort the night before. And he said, Mr. Pierce is driving back to New York. Maybe he'll give you a, a ride if you ask him. And uh, so I went over meekly to this great tenor, and, and, uh, and Mr. Pierce in New York possibly can be a list. He said, oh, sure, kids, uh, uh, hop in. And when a, a big black limousine pulls up with a chauffeur <laughs> and a private car, and I get in, and that was my entrance to New York. My <laughs> private car with a famous tenor of the Metropolitan. <laughs> and I got to New York, and of course he kicked me out in the Bronx, and that's how I got there. Talk about arriving in style. Exactly. <laughs> it was a, it was quite a day. So your first impression of Batman wasn't very you weren't very excited, which is understandable since the early issues are pretty crude compared to Milton Kniff and the other artists you were enjoying. Exactly. Yeah. And not even used to form. Although I had seen comic reprints in comic book form, uh, a larger format. I don't know if you. There was a series of comic reprints published by the publisher was Couples and Leon, and they published uh, it was like twelve by twelve, and they were all reprints of comic strips, hmm. and they were my favorites as a kid. I remember I went off for a summer, and I begged my parents to keep sending me those books if they could find them, and uh, they were reprints of comic strips. So that's my close attachment to comic strips at the time, or it's the comic books, actually. And then when it's you... the comics, uh, as you know, the early comic books themselves, starting, I think, with Famous Funnies in 1934, were reprints of comic strips. Well, that's part of why Superman was such a blockbuster, because it was really one of the first original comic book stories, as opposed to comic strip stories. Well, it was the first superhero uh, in the comics. Uh, there were... Uh, there were a few original stories published in comic book form uh, by detectives, okay. comics, 
Uh, in fact, Siegel and Schuster did some of them uh, before they created Batman. But they, what happened was the, the comic publishers were buying up the comic strips to reprint, as I said. And, but they began to run, run out of suitable strips to purchase for the comic books because they came out so often. And so they, then they began to search for original material. And that's when the really era of the comic book began. So I think it's fair to say that um, between you and Bill Finger, you created so much of what we think of as the Batman's world, which has become so iconic. Um, you're so closely involved with the creation of uh, Robin and the Joker and the Penguin and Two-Face and so much else of his, so many of the other components of his world, not to mention the artistic view of it. Um, was that fulfilling times for you? And how do you feel now about these characters becoming so much part of our kind of iconography. Yeah, well, it's incredible that since they last, after 70 years, I mean, nobody could have foreseen that. Uh, uh, if I knew, I would have created several other months on property. <laughs> you never know which is going to hit. And uh, there were you know, really very exciting times. Uh, I was so young and and thrown in this field, uh, new in New York, uh, and Ralph Finger turned out to be my mentor. Uh, we became very close friends, uh, socially as well, and well, he was about the same age as Bob, and, uh, and later when he was married, uh, we were close friends with his wife as well, Portia, and uh, he, he introduced me to everything in New York, uh, uh, Metropolitan Museum of Art, MoMA, Modern Museum, all the foreign films, all the Alloway theaters. Uh, it just opened my eyes, and I, I was like a, a blotter soaking everything up. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was a great creative time. And, uh, and you know, of course, my uh, studies at, at Columbia, which became more and more difficult. I was burning the candle at both ends, trying to make classes during the day and work all night. And then I switched it the other way around to try to relieve it. And uh, I lasted about two or two and a half years doing both. And by that time, uh, although I wanted to be a writer and journalist, which fortunately I was able to pursue during my career, but at the time I didn't think of uh, doing both or cartooning. But after about a couple of years, and I started my first comic strip, London, under my own name, while I was still doing Batman. So that opened my eyes to the possibility of of uh, combining the careers of writing and drawing once I found I was uh, adept at drawing as well. Uh, that that uh, convinced me that this was a path to go. And besides, I, I don't think I would have lasted another year doing both. No, those are pretty uh, pretty intense times to, um, to pursue journalism the, during the early war period. I know Alex specifically wanted to ask you a bit about the Joker. Yeah. Uh, I see that. Can you hear me? You're kind of broken up. Jason, can you just repeat what I'm saying so it comes through clearly? Okay, let me do this. I'll pick up this line, and then Alex, why don't you just go ahead and dictate your questions to me? 
the Joker's personality has changed a lot over the years. Yeah. From uh, psychopath to kind of campy trickster. Huh. You are kind of distorting, Alex. Um, so how was your? How does that kind of match your vision of the your original vision of the character? You're fantastic, yeah. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> and your stories are wonderful, I, too. Thank you. I immediately um, thought of, uh, of, of a new character for Batman. I wanted a strong protagonist to pit against Batman. Uh, that, uh, that was worthy of Batman. And I didn't think any of... Remember, this is the 1939. We're just in the middle of it. Coming out of depression, this was the era of the gangster, uh, John Dillinger, Pretty Boy Floyd, uh, Gene Gun Kelly, uh, that whole era. Prohibition, uh, there were bezzlers and bank robbers, they were the usual villains. Occasionally a mad scientist would pop up. And uh, so I wanted to do something 
it was more literary, more from uh, learning from my readings of the great classics in literature, where the heroes had strong protagonists. Sherlock Holmes had Moriarty. Even in the Bible, David had Goliath. So there was a strong opposition. But strangely enough, there was a dichotomy in the comics at that time that if you made the villains too strong, it would overshadow the hero. Mm-hmm. So I took the opposite, opposite view. I thought, well, you know, heroes, uh, they have to win in the end. They're heroes, after all. But uh, 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 heroes can be also can be dull. They, have, they know they're going to win. But the villains can be bizarre. They can be more interesting. And uh, uh, that's what attracted me to, to write a come up with a character that was much more interesting than what we had. And uh, so that was my first thought to write that story, the first story that night to come up with a, with a um, worthy villain of Batman. And uh, I guess everything in your past somehow, uh, that's what you are, comes out of your experiences in your life. And uh, so there were two things that were operating. The stories that I had written in college and in high school were mostly satires and, and humorous stories. Uh, kind of, uh, my favorites were Dupont, 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 and uh, uh, Mark Twain, stories that had a twist um, uh, and, and uh, had some edge to them. Mm-hmm. So I, that, that was part of my thinking in background. So the, uh, so knowing the, the components of good writing from my writing knowledge so far, I knew that a good character has some contradiction in their character, contradiction terms. So a villain with a sense of humor would be different. You don't think of a villain having a sense of humor. I think maybe now you do with a the Joker, even though it's perverted since. Uh, so those two things I immediately put together, the villain with a sense of humor. Once I did that, the next thing in all characters, are, it's very important, the names. And we spent a lot of time creating the names for all our characters. And uh, so I began to think of the names that fit that concept. And it wasn't long, maybe a few minutes, where I immediately thought of the Joker. And again, that related to my past because cards were very common in our household. Uh, my, one of my elder brothers was a champion contract bridge player where you got points like a, like a top master uh, chess player with points. Well, he was on that level. And at one time he won 17 tournaments in a row. Mm. And my mother played, so I was a very expert player as well. And I was not in their class, but I, I loved the game as well. And so there, we always had a deck of cards around, so I'm, I immediately related, the, I thought of the name Joker, with the Joker playing card. And I searched frantically that night in my room for a deck of cards, which I usually had somewhere, even though I hadn't used it in a long time uh, in New York. Um, I found one, and it had the, the classic kind of look at the Joker, in the playing cards that I had in mind. 
And that's what I used as the visual image to begin with as a joker. And uh, then I fleshed out the, the, the outlines of his M.O., how he operated the story. And uh, and that all I set up all night doing that and couldn't wait to rush in the next morning to show Bill and Bob uh, the start I had in my story. And, of course, they loved it immediately. I mean, we knew it was a great concept, and as did the publisher, and immediately in the editor. And they immediately slighted for story number one in, the, uh, in Batman number one, and that's how it all began. That's incredible. Look at that. Yeah, he's... Uh, uh, he's, he's become the iconic villain. Right. I mean, he really is. If you you think villainy, and hey, the Joker. Right. Well, I was very flattered. I, I was in London for the filming of uh, The Last of the Dark Knight, and uh, they had a, um, a poll there among their literary critics, not just uh, comic critics, but literary critics. Out yeah. there what was it, the 50 or 100th? Uh, um, the top 20, the top 20 villains, huh? villains of all time. Yeah. And, uh, I forget what number it came out, but uh, it was high up and beat a lot of Shakespearean villains and whatnot. <laughs> wow. And, uh, so that was very, that was literary. Yeah, then there was one taken here by a comics magazine. I don't know which one, one of the leading ones. You probably know this one. And it was again a poll of the fifty great, fifty great. Uh, I don't know, remember what the greatest uh, comic villains, and uh, and the Joker came out number one. So I was very, very pleased with that. I think you know the Joker, uh, as you mentioned, has went through a lot of metamorphosis with uh, with uh, transformation from you know the comic, the comic. Uh, featuring the comic and the sinister and the psycho, psychotic side of it. Uh, I think it's, uh, its longevity was due to the, some, at, at the core, uh, was something that was very unique among the villains and was made susceptible to various interpretations over the 70 years, mm-hmm. you know, by other great writers and artists. And uh, so that was pleasing. I think one thing that I come to believe is that inadvertently in the beginning, it was it came to me uh, visually and the name having such a, a, visual, a visual, uh impact. Uh, uh, because at its core, there's something unique about about the image. And they have the image of the Joker or the clown or a jester. It has that tradition. It goes back to medieval times and before. And uh, actually, the image of the clown can be very scary. Just the clown alone. And you think it would be fun. Children react can react very, uh, um, uh, almost with a phobia about, about uh, the image of the clown. In fact, there, there is a name for it. Uh, polarophobia, uh, the fear of the clown image. Yeah. And uh, so I think all of us have a little bit of that. Uh, that uh, makes it very, image very edgy. And 
Well, that was just, um, you know, of course, I didn't think of all those things at the time. That was part of how I viewed the image, not realizing what it was, uh, you know, what psychologically it came from or, or historically. So I think that's part of the uh, the attraction of the Joker and uh, the the emotional image reaction you get from from the image. What did what did you feel about uh, not only the look but Heath Ledger's interpretation of the character for the Dark Knight? Yeah, well, again, he gave us all a new a new twist to it. Uh, uh, visually, he, Seems a little bit, uh, even a little more bizarre than I had been. I w- I wanted in the beginning of the clown look. Uh, I wanted a villain that was bizarre. Uh, so I think he he, t- he he took it to another level. I think even after that. So it, w- it was a masterful um, uh, performance. Uh, I think uh, Jack uh, Nicholson, in his own interpretation, was was lighter, obviously. Uh, uh, more sardonic, sardonic humor uh, to it um, than uh, than Ledger did. Alex, I'm looking Anything at you. Up? Did you have more questions? Still there? Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah, I can keep going for hours. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got some time. I mean, this. Uh... It, it, it's funny for me because when I was a kid, I always remember I was terrified of the Joker. There you I go. I was terrified of it. I loved that. You had terrophobia. Yeah, I was afraid of clowns thanks to my aunt, who, uh, my aunt had a very distinct knock when I was a child, and when it was my fifth birthday, she knocked on the front door. And I went uh-huh. up there going, It's my aunt, it's my aunt. I opened the door, and there she is in full makeup. Another 
friend and I who flew over. And that was in the pre-Castro days. It was still the dictator Batista. And, and uh, Havana was ruled by the Luciano mob. It was all mob-controlled in Havana, the nightclubs and whatnot. And the irony of it, when, when Castro took over and Batista fled uh, Cuba, he, he lived his life out in, uh, in Florida, I think, uh, not far from Miami. You, you obviously were kind of working and playing hard at the same time when you were young. Sounds like you had a really fun life in those years. I'm sorry, I didn't hear quite it. Oh, it, it sounds like you had a really fun life in those kind of pre-war years. You were working and playing really hard at the same time. Yeah, I was. Uh, you know, when you're, when you're young and foolish, <laughs> you think on a lot. And, uh, I remember later on I was teaching uh, five hours a day at the School of Visual Arts and doing my comic book all day. And I did that for the better part of ten years, uh, teaching five days a week, five hours a day, and doing my, keeping up my comedy and other illustration work at the same time. You only do that when you're young and foolish. <laughs> <laughs> but I can tell from the way that you talk that you re really enjoyed teaching. I did, yes. Uh, I learned a lot as a teacher myself. I, my own, my own uh, work, I think, became much fuller and richer. I had to uh, analyze what I was, you know, I never went to an art school. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I had to analyze what I did, what I learned, uh, uh, to, in order to convey it to my students. So I really had to go back over and... and writing for a zine about Ditko. I'm sorry? I do writing for a magazine about Ditko. You write? I, I write for a magazine about Steve Ditko. Oh, do you? Uh -huh. yeah. So yeah. yeah. I'm a huge fan of the man's work. Wow. Yeah. Somebody uh, who wrote a book of his, about him, uh, um, he, he, he doesn't get interviews, I understand, these days, and, and uh, very readily... But somebody did reach him and ask him about his, uh, his early uh, life and, and his experience in the School of Visual Arts. So he wrote somebody a letter. Uh, I don't know if it's quoted in my bio or not, but it was very, very kind of me. He wrote some very long, very things that were the uh, that he started his career and learned in my in my class. And he was uh, very good. I got a scholarship from the second year study with him so uh, and then um, one of the leading cartoonists from the New Yorker was in my class uh, other top comic books uh, who later became successful on comic books as well uh, I think I I um, I mean it's as good as it used to be but I think there I, re 
recipes. I'm, your memory is fantastic. Uh, I'm really enjoying this. <laughs> <laughs> but that must be one of the most flattering things ever um, to be teaching people who can then go off and, and really have great careers. Yeah, it really has been. And a lot of them have kept touch with me. Uh, they've written me. The years have sent me copies of work that they published and so forth. So uh, that's been very uh, satisfying. <clears throat> also, we mentioned about the style of the Joker, but maybe one naming of Robin might be of interest. Um, yeah, definitely. Finger came in with the idea of adding a boy to the strip. Um, again, it became very important as to the name. And uh, so uh, we considered a lot of names. Uh, and I ruled out, in uh, my own mind, anything that, that hinted of, of, some, of a superhero kid. As some of the names might have heard, I remember, because we had a list of maybe 30, 40 names, Mercury and all kinds of names. And uh, so um, I wanted to carry out the, uh, in the sense of the boy, the, uh, the, what I thought was the main thing of the concept of Batman was that he wasn't a super character. We were in, in hot uh, competition with Superman, mm -hmm. who, by the way, were very good friends of mine, but, and we worked for the same publisher. But professionally, we were competitors. And... Uh, in fact, I used to double date with Joe Shuster when he was young. Oh, really? And, uh, anyway, uh, so when we came to naming him, uh, I came up with the name Robin. He was Robin, and that came from Robin Hood. I was given a book by, when I was about 13 or 12 or 13, uh, The Adventures of Robin Hood, that were, uh, beautifully illustrated by the famous illustrator of the time, N.C. Wyatt, whose son and grandson, the Wyatts, became famous painters as well. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I had that book to today, illustrated by N.C. Wyatt, and I used to love those stories and knew every illustration in the book. Some were in full color and some black and white. And so uh, I guess that's how, again, how things in the past pop up. And uh, so... Robin popped in my name as a, as a name that would be great for a kid uh, and wouldn't give any sense of super character. And uh, so the others, they agreed. It was the best of, what, of the suggestion we had. And so I immediately sketched out the, the costume of Robin that I remembered. I knew every inch of that drawing by uh, N.C. Wyatt's. And if you look at the illustration, you can see it was the Robin Hood you know, costume with the fringe and the vest and so forth. So that's how Robin uh, came about. And it, another character that just really captured people's imaginations and uh, is going to live forever. That's another character that just really captured people's imagination and oh, kid, yeah. going to live forever. Well, it was a great addition to the strip because um, it, it immediately enlarged uh, the demographics of the readers. You know, the older reader related to Batman and Bruce Wayne, and the younger one uh, related immediately to the 
Robin. So, and Mill was great for Mill because he gave additional story material and enlarged the, enlarged the parameters of the story. Uh, they could talk to one another, uh, uh, get each other uh, out of dire predicaments, as mm-hmm. we say. Uh, and so it was very good for the strip It's always striking to me about how he's a very bright character next to a very dark character, and it's almost like Robin can't help but shed light and and you know bring light to Batman's world. Yeah, well, it did it lighten uh, a lot of the stories as well, and uh, the episodes. So it did um, some of them, perhaps the the uh, mystery. John when the two are together, uh, it had to be a little lighter. Right. In effect. But, uh, you know, story-wise, you concentrate on one or the other for the story. So, as you notice, in the Dark Knight, we didn't have Robin. Right. So it could be darker in, in all respects. So one thing I want to... The character I think that was great is the Penguin. I did the first right. Penguin cover. It helped flesh out the visual look of it. Um, I did the first Two-Face cover as well. And um, and Alfred, I did uh, a lot on Alfred. In fact, I did a second story just about Alfred for a couple of years. It's called The Adventures of Alfred. Right. That was published in, uh, oh, Batman or Detective, I forget. I think I, I remember those stories, right? I remember reading some of those. You're wonderful. Um, so we've gone about 45 minutes. I want to make sure to, to at least include in this interview some of the tr- international traveling that you did, that you've done. Yes. Cartooning has really kind of opened the door for you to, to have some um, personal diplomacy, maybe a, pl- a nice way of putting it. Um, uh-huh. You've gotten to travel all over the world um, in an effort uh, uh, wonderful efforts to kind of improve human rights and um, improve uh, relationships between the U.S. and the Soviet Union in the day. Uh, um, like, that sounds like just wonderful work. Well, I was very uh, uh, fruitful and very grateful for those opportunities. It did take me... In fact, I'm, I'm writing my memoirs now, which which uh, tell more of the anecdotes about those, some of those travels. I made... Uh, number of trips entertaining the soldiers in the, at the camps throughout Europe and North Africa uh, and made friends with some of the cartoonists that we traveled with. I usually went with a group of four or five and we've been lifelong friends. Those trips from five weeks living and working together and, and traveling and also to Japan and, and Korea. Um, and I met all the foreign artists at that time. I think that's what led to my founding the syndicate that introduced, that introduced uh, foreign cartoonists to America, actually, and uh, and also American cartoonists abroad. Uh, so I, I guess the last count was around 45 countries, wow. and many of them many times. Uh, favorite places are Japan, where I... Collaborated on, a, I think, one of the first manga with a Japanese artist. Right. Uh, from my 
from the musical that I collaborated on with the writer here. We first wrote the musical here. It's called Astra. And uh, so that was quite an experience. And uh, and to China and a lot to South America. And uh, as I said, North Africa and Far East. So it's been... Uh, I can't complain about that. I'm very grateful for that, and that opportunity. It must have just uh, been some wonderful I also led to my uh, curating a number of exhibitions for the United Nations. Mm -hmm. uh, I've done four or five major shows. Uh, I took the exhibitions to Rio for the first Earth Summit on the environment. Uh, and then met, I, I met the then Senator Gore, who uh, led our delegation uh, to Rio at the time. It was the largest exhibition there. I also covered it for newspaper while I was there. And uh, that was so successful, I followed three others at the invitation the UN. The one human rights you mentioned I did the following year in, in uh, Vienna. And... Uh, and one in Cairo and housing and development, another one in Denmark. And then uh, just last year, the year before, I reprised the uh, exhibition on human rights here in, at the UN headquarters in New York where it opened um, human rights, the 14th anniversary of the one I did originally. And uh, that was uh, the um, anniversary also of the the original human rights covenant. So uh, um, that was really a rare opportunity. And uh, I say all the artists that I met around the world who I invited to participate were really artists who, who were concerned, as I was, about the environment and human rights. So I always had great support from, from my fellow cartoonists here and abroad. It's just so fantastic. People tend to think of, I tend to think of cartooning so much as more of an introspective art, but you really used it as a way to help change the world in positive ways. Well, that's what happened in my um, battle for Signal and Schuster, you know, when Neil Adams and I um, uh, represented them to, to get back their rights and, and their name on that property. Uh, so we always had great support in those causes. So I was grateful for the opportunity to do it. Uh, what happened was when I served as president of the Cartoonist Society and and also the editorial cartoonist, because I knew the top editorial cartoonists, so I was able to reach them right away. And they always, you know, came through 100% mm -hmm. to support. And that gave us great leverage in, in negotiating, you know, on all these fronts. Well, certainly the Siegel and Schuster story was one of those ones where the good and evil in the story were such opposites, you know, so clear. Yeah. Yeah. Poor uh, men at the time uh, that they got the re the their settlement. I mean, the lives they were living was just rough. Well, it was tragic, and... You know, they were very good friends, and if I, uh, I couldn't have been more pleased uh, than to be able to, uh, to uh, help and 
now that you have it, you, I don't know if you look through it completely, but uh, one thing I was very pleased with, not only did they follow my career, you know, a lot, like, a lot of spin of my career has been as an editorial cartoonist. Yeah. 32 years, I did one every day, six days a week. And in addition to illustrating 30 books and whatnot. But they published in the back a portfolio of other things that I've been very interested in uh, all my uh, uh, life, wherever I went, was as a photographer. And I had several photography shows and my painting, uh, both for illustration and for just fine art painting. And so they did include portfolios in the back. I don't know if you had a chance to see them. Yeah. Of my uh, painting and photography and my sketchbook. I'm so act- in addition to the uh, comic features. Yeah, I'm, so, look, I'm looking uh, at them right now. I was very right pleased with, uh, with the book in that regard. Yeah, it's a wonderful book and um, great celebration of all the diverse things that you're, you've done with your life. It's um, it's kind of inspiring, actually. Oh, thank you. Where are you located now, by the way? I live in Seattle. Seattle? Yeah. Oh. And, you, and uh, Rodriguez, Alex? Yep. He's also in Seattle? Alex? I've never gone over to Seattle yet. Alex is in Miami, and actually the the man who um, runs the site, whose name is also Jason, lives in New Zealand. We have um, people from all over the world who work for our site. So. Oh, great. Yeah. It's, it's, well, my syndicate represents, has represented artists uh, since uh, 80, 79, 80, 81, uh, uh, in 50 countries. Uh, and we still operate, my son editor of that. Oh, wow. Cartoonist okay. Writer Syndicate and Cartoon Arts International. I think there's a, they included a section about the syndicate in the book. Yeah, I, I found that really interesting. Yeah, it's a wonderful uh, book. Yeah, you're, I was just admiring your pictures. That, um, by the way, uh, Portland, um, I mean, Seattle's near Portland, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, you know Dark Horse Publisher. Right. They're in Portland. Right. Right? Yeah. Well, they're doing two books of mine. Three, actually. Oh. Uh, one of them, two volumes is already out. Uh, it's in the book, uh, in the bio, but uh, I did this strip in the 50s called Jet Scott. It's a science adventure. Right. Jet, and Dark um, Horse just published a whole run of two years daily and Sunday in two volumes and uh, every Sunday in full color in the daily. Uh, that just was published and in the spring uh, they're republishing a book, a new edition of my history of the comics which I did uh, like 25 years ago and I've written uh, 20,000 new words to bring it up to date and all new color for the book plus the original Uh, 
covers the history of the comic strip from 1895 to the present. So that's been, uh, so it's been a big year for me. At 88, I suddenly have four books <laughs> I was going to say, when do you slow down? <laughs> no, I, uh, uh, as long as I can keep creating, I'm happy. <laughs> it all started because you were in the right place at the right camp, wearing the right oh, jacket. That. Same as the Batman work at the time too. It was just a paycheck, and it's become. Exactly, yeah. It's become. Well, fortunately, I preserved some of the key pieces. I didn't could bear to see them destroyed. Uh, some of the great works of, of uh, Fred Ray, who did the, the iconic Superman covers, mm-hmm. you know, like number fourteen of uh, sorry Superman with the eagle on his shoulder. Yes. I was familiar with that cover. Yes. They did all the top. Superman covers. I did that. Strip Congo Bill. Well, he was a very good friend and next to me. And uh, so I saved literally from salvage. They, they routinely uh, destroyed each cover and story as we did them. Uh, and so I had to call the engraver to prevent him from destroying those. Not because it had any value at the time. It didn't have any value to anyone else but myself. And and uh, I used to just tack them up on the studio walls. And so I really saved from destruction the, of his covers, some of my own, some of the first Joker covers, some of the early Simon Kirby covers, and, uh, and some of the insides. It was just fortuitous that I just thought that way, and cause that's a theme that I've all pursued also, that I, I look at it as a true indigenous American art form. And that's why I've written about it and the history of it and had exhibitions of it here. And you were there... In fact, I don't know if you've seen the one I did that's still traveling called uh, The Golden Age of Comics from uh, 38 to 50. No, I'm not familiar with that. traveling around the country at museums. I did it first for a museum in Atlanta it has all those early covers and other artifacts from the golden age. Uh, it opened the museum in Atlanta, and it went to uh, all, all museums, Detroit, Cleveland, Miami, uh, and last in L.A. And early next year, it's opening in uh, Phoenix and then back in Atlanta. And uh, if I get a chance to see it, I think it's... Love it as uh, uh, really. Uh, it took us three years to put together uh, that exhibit, and it looks beautiful. It sounds fantastic uh, to get see, to see some of those original pieces. That yeah, just... that's what all the collectors uh, uh, tell me that they're uh, uh, it's so exciting to see some of the original. That period, they never 
No, I'm looking through the book right now and enjoying all the original art reproductions from here. It really is remarkable to get well, to see A lot of that story. is from the collection. Yeah. Uh, of course, it doesn't show any Superman work, but a lot of the Batman is from the collection. Just mm-hmm. wonderful work. The Joker covers. Well, we've kept you for about an hour. Um, I don't want to skip. Yeah. I don't want to skip well, too much of your day, Mr. Robinson. That's okay. I was glad to do it. And good luck with the publication, and I'll have to look it up. Tell me again where to see it. We are at Comics Bulletin. Comics Bulletin. Dot com. Uh, Alex, did you have any other questions? Or? I had one. <laughs> can. can I ask one more before you go? Oh, uh, sure, sure. Do you have any advice or warnings for uh, uh, for an origin of the Joker? Oh, well, he hopes to convince them to let him write it. Do I ever think of it? What? He hopes to convince DC to let him write the origin. Alex, is, let, an, Alex uh, is an inspiring writer. To let uh, uh, Alex write it? Yes. Is it Alex? Yes. Competition because I'm in the middle of, of my one of my next projects is I've been working on I started it but I had to lay it aside for these books but I have been working on a graphic novel uh, of the Joker and uh, oh, I do touch on his origins also but look at uh, uh, there could be a couple of different versions of it <laughs> they've had enough versions of the Batman and the Joker already, so uh, why not two versions of the origin? Oh, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> so uh, I am uh, working on that. Let's have a friendly competition, Alan. I love the idea of you having a friendly competition. That would be awesome. <laughs> 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 that'd be fantastic. <laughs> I love sending emails to DC right now. Okay. <laughs> well, this has been a. Thank you for your time. We really appreciate it. Sure, my pleasure. And uh, good luck with the piece. And I'll be looking at your site. Thank you. It's been wonderful talking to you. Thank you so much. Sure. Well, don't slow down. We look forward to reading work from you for another 20 years at least. Well, that's optimistic, but I'll <laughs> tell you. I did have a great grandfather. I was written about in the book who lived to be 116. Oh, my goodness. So I, <laughs> I don't think I'll reach that. But uh, any portion of it, I'll be happy. <laughs> You've got good genetics anyway. Okay. Thanks I'll again. Talk to you again soon. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Ciao. Bye. Ciao. Wow, Alex. Oh, thank you.